0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of real entrepreneurs who are building their businesses. Um, and often they come back and do interviews about what they were building and how successful it was. And I love that circle. So joining me today is an entrepreneur whose software I would not at all have appreciated when I was in high school. And and I went to I went to Brooklyn Tech, an engineering school. When they told us about all these different drill bits and all these different lathes, I was open and I got it. And then when they started to say CAD cam software, I said, who cares? I, I didn't fully get it. And my, my hope is that people who are listening to us don't blow it off the way that I did when I first heard about it, because I think it's becoming a bigger and bigger uh, part of our lives. And it should be an even bigger part than it is right now. Here's the thing. If you wanted to sketch out an idea for a website, you can do it on a napkin. You can do it on a piece of paper. Hey, you want to go high end? Get yourself a freaking iPad Pro like I do and draw it on there. And now you get a sense of what it looks like. But what if you look at that iPad Pro and you see that the pencil looks pale and white and you say, what if I could add a nice little cover to it? Imagine all these other iPad Pro owners who want a nice little sleeve for their iPad pencils. I want to design that, maybe make a little bit of money from it. Well, you can't do that on a on paper because the pencil is round. In fact, it's got this little flat part, and you want to accommodate for that. So, how do you do it? Well, that's where CAD software comes in—computer-aided design. It lets you sketch out these products that are in 3D and and do more than you would if you could just sketch it out. Well, it used to be that CAD software was available on these giant machines that only our teachers at Brooklyn Tech had access to, and we could never take home. Joining me today is an entrepreneur. John McElhaney, who said, you know what? Why don't we make it more accessible? We'll put it on desktop computers. And he did. He helped bring that revolution forward. And I'm oversimplifying by saying he's just moving it on to desktop computers. But he did and created a company called SolidWork, helped create it, became the CEO of it, uh, sold the business. And then he got into cloud computing and he realized, you know what? All software is going into the cloud, not the desktop and he had kind of a, I don't know if he would say a wrong direction, a misdirection, but he took it in one direction that didn't end up having the big payoff. And then he said, you know, what if we take this whole CAD thing that, we're, that we understand and put it in the cloud? Well, not only does it mean that people don't have to maintain their software on their desktops, but, and it's always up to date, but also they could start collaborating. They could do other things and boom, that's the hit business that he created. And I invited him here to spend some time focusing on it's called on shape. And I. I wanted to have Mon here to talk about how he built this company, how he grew it, how he sold it and what the potential is and we can do it thanks to two fun, actually one sponsor today Hostgator. Hostgator bought all the ads in this huh, in this interview and it's a place I'll tell you later where you can go and host your website. So first, John, good to have you here.
1: Great Andrew, thank you. It's great to be with you.
0: John, what's the description that you'd use for Onshape? I, I did my best to explain it and why it's so important.
1: Yeah, you did a pretty good job. Look, the the world in which I live in is a world that we actually all live in, which is we we deal with physical products. And Onshape is a computer-aided design product, and it really affects all the things that are in our lives, whether it's the coffee maker that you use this morning to get that cup of coffee, the the shower handle that you turned through to the car that you may have been driven. All these things are designed using CAD products. And with SolidWorks, we brought it to the masses. There was this really powerful technology Called solid modeling that allowed you to really define things and then ultimately they were perfect in terms of dimensional accuracy and smooth to the touch and then you could use other applications to actually machine them and create the molds and all you need to do is look at products and you can see products from 20 years ago were boxy and kind of ugly and now you see things are very smooth and sleek that's all because of of computer-aided design products but specifically solid modeling products And When we started SolidWorks, these things were only available to the largest and and richest companies in the world. We essentially took that and democratized it and brought it to the world on PCs. Fast forward, we dealt with a lot of these companies and realized that most of them, while they enjoyed the benefits of, of this new technology, it was incredibly expensive for them to do the care and feeding of the system to keep things updated. And, you know, they all dealt with the problem that we, we, we as individuals have dealt with, which is if you've ever worked on PowerPoint or Microsoft Word and you're working with somebody else trying to get something done and you, it's Sunday night and you call that last version, the final, final version as of 7.59 p.m. And then it's no, it's, it's final, final as of 8.01 p.m. And you come up with your own version. All these things were kind of a lot of friction of how people work together. And we saw Google Docs and we said, can we take the power of what we brought to the masses before? and put it on a new cloud and mobile platform to allow people to do real-time sharing, you know, dramatically increase the presence globally and allow people to be far more efficient how they design and build things. So the next generation of entrepreneurs can use our product very easily to go and, and build a prototype of their, their first iteration of their idea or bring the products to market. So no, on shape, it's been a great, great success.
0: My, my focus isn't about how, my focus is how you came up with the idea, how you launched it, built it, yeah. sold it. But you know what? Let me, before I even ask the basics, like how much did you sell it for? What was it like after the sale? Let me ask you this: Why is it that we still have to explain to my audience what CAD software is? Why is it that I still have not used CAD software outside of high school? When you talk about Google Docs, we're all using Google Docs tools. That you a tool that used to be available just to people who are professional writers. Why aren't we at a place where everyone is using it?
1: Yeah, a good question. Well, up until launch, it the short answer is, it was damn expensive. The license of, of you know entry level CAD software for solid modeling was four thousand dollars a user. So you're not going to casually at, just use.
0: Now it, it starts at fifteen hundred. I think you even have a free version, right?
1: We have a free version. And by the way, we, you know, education wise, you know, it, it was expensive because you had to run it on these dedicated systems. Yep. With Onshape, people can run it on a Chromebook. They can run it on their iPad. They can, you know, that, that iPad you're using, it's a great computer to run Onshape. You can run it on your mobile device. You know, when we had the pandemic happen in education. We went from about 100,000 users in the education space and students to now we have over 1.5 million users. It just exploded in terms of usage. Now, will that be for the average person who doesn't do any design? No, they're not going to use our product. We're not Adobe Illustrator. That's a much more horizontal product. This still is a design product, but the amount of people who are creating and building things that go into Etsy and go to, you know, that's sort of growing and it's it's growing because of tools like Onshape.
0: But so then give me an example of how someone who might use the free version created something that they're selling on Etsy. I, I have a, a sense of what it is, but do you have an example of what's being created?
1: Well, the free version is for non-commercial usage, but-
0: Oh, so you can't use the free version even on even to make and sell handmade stuff or essentially handmade no, on it's, it's Etsy? Not, no, it's not. Okay. It's,
1: it's, it's meant for getting people to learn to If you're making money off it, it. it, we
0: have a commercial okay. business. Okay. All right. So that's $1,500 a year. That's that's inexpensive.
1: Very inexpensive. For what you can do- so, Look, the the the, the so reality created of, for yeah. Etsy. So, <laughs> if you look around, anything from signs to to um, holders for different products to mounts. You know, I I, I see you now. You've got a. A microphone mount. You know, you may want to modify that microphone mount. You can personally go and make modifications for it. So there's all kinds of, you know, you're saying that if I have
0: a different idea for this mount, this mount actually needs to be clamped onto the desk. It's a pain. And most people are not going to do it because they don't want to ruin their desks. There are a lot of podcasters who don't understand that they should put their mic on a, on an arm so that it stays off the desk. And that way, when they bang on the desk, it doesn't go into the mic. And also they have desk space to keep their notes. If I had an idea for how I could have a, Something that would hold it on the bottom instead of having it clamp onto the desk, I would be able to design it with on shape.
1: Very much so. Can I put this and be able to share it very easily?
0: Can I put it with a link to somebody else? Can I put what's already here, the way that they built it at Road into your system and then make changes to it? Can I get my uh huh.
1: Yeah, your specific one. Well, a couple ways to do that. One, of course, if you had and you knew the manufacturer, you can reach out and see if they in fact have their. 3d data available many people do many manufacturers do you okay. go look at parts that are out there people have pdfs but they also have 3d solid models that you can download and design around okay so in this case if you're if your microphone manufacturer had their 3d model available and many people probably do you can take that and use that and build off of that to make your mouth
0: okay all right now I've got a sense of it. You know what else I have in mind? Imagine this. Imagine someone is listening to us who says the camera that comes in with the, in their computers just absolutely stinks, right? The camera on their phones is phenomenal. What if you can use the camera on your phone for a Zoom meeting? There's software that does it. There's not a holder that does it. And so if you look at people who use their phones for, for webcams, for Zoom meetings like this, they often will hook it up in some weird way, have a stand that's made to hold up a camera. I could maybe invent... It's not really an invention people have been doing this but i can create my own version of a holder that will hold my iphone on top of my laptop sell use uh, Onshape on shape to do that and then 3d printed i guess at first and yep. then when i'm ready for a manufacturer i can just send them the files or give them access to my on shape and boom print it and or, or manufactured exactly. i should say and then start selling that that's you got what, it. that's the magic john you got it All right. So from what I understand, one of the reasons why more people are not doing this is first, it hasn't been available to the masses long enough, right? When you think about Google Docs, why are we all using it? It's because we all were using Microsoft Word and before that word perfect and before that and so on. The second reason is schools aren't teaching it. And now you're starting to get more schools teaching it. And the third is pricing. All right. I'm with you now on the future. I'm with you on the present. Let's go back in time and understand how you got here. Okay. Sure. Are you, are you someone who grew up like geeky like this, who loved to make stuff? Is, this, is that where it comes from?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, my, I, I worked a lot with my dad doing stuff. I love kind of pulling things apart and, and fixing things. And, you know, my dad in our neighborhood, people would come over and want to borrow a tool from my dad. And Inevitably, they didn't really want the tool. They just wanted my dad to help fix it. Well, you know, I kind of helped them with a bunch of things. But I wouldn't say I was a great engineer because when i take things apart and put it back together, there'd always be an extra screw or bolt laying around. And, okay. and so I won't lay claim as being a perfect geek. You know, I have some great business partners and friends. I'm a mechanical engineer by training, and I've been in and around the design space forever. But it start, my career really started, and it, my interest in this area started when I was a junior in college, between junior and senior year. I worked. I went to the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York. And they, I wanted to spend the summer up there, you know, that one beautiful day that they call summer in Rochester. Well, <laughs> that summer, I ended up working at this this nuclear fusion lab called the Laboratory for Laser Energetics. And I convinced this guy that I could do design work. And so we were using drawing boards. So I walked in there my first day, and I was helping to design mounts for optical fixtures and stuff like that. And he quickly sort of said to me in a backhanded compliment, he sort of said, you're better at computers than you are design, aren't you? In other words, I sucked. And so, you know, he said, there, there are CAD systems that are coming out. This is when PCs first started. He said, can you help us figure out a CAD system? And, and meanwhile, I looked around and we had, you know, four or 5,000 drawings, like, you know, E-size drawings, D-size drawings, these are mechanical drawings to make stuff. And it was completely disorganized. And so I ended up helping to find a CAD system that ran on a PC when they first started and convinced them to get a bunch of cabinets to kind of hold the drawings and bought a bunch of 3M tape with holes in it and a bunch of uh, Sharpies, and then also bought this software package called d at the time. It was a PC-based database. And literally, I came up with a numbering system for kind of the targeting bay, for the capacitor bay, for the equipment, you know, the 1,000 series, the 2,000 series, 3,000 series, and got the drawings organized, wrote an application to allow them to kind of do a bunch of queries to retrieve the drawings, and then we built the CAD system. So I was helping them to you know, does, figure out a new design process and organize things. And, and 40 years later, I'm helping people find a CAD system, organize their data and build better design processes. You know, it's something that I believe that there's a lot of ways that we can improve product design. And I saw the opportunity with with software to really change the processes of how people have done it.
0: See that? I also feel like it just keeps getting closer. This dream of more people making the, the the dream that started out or that got really fired up when 3D printers were starting to become affordable and easy to put into the house. Yep. We're still not fully at the realization, not even close, but boy, we keep getting closer and closer. All right. How did you and John, who's been kind of your partner throughout all this, how did you two meet?
1: Yeah. So John Herstic is a great guy. He was part of the MIT Blackjack team really interesting. Whoa, character. wait, I didn't realize. Anyway. This is,
0: I'm sorry. It's kind of confusing that it's that you're both named John. He was part of the MIT blackjack team that went into uh, casinos and beat, Vegas. Yeah, beat Vegas, really? The one that the book and the yeah. movie if was you, made out of? He was in
1: there? The movie. So uh-huh. yeah, the movie with Kevin, uh, whatever his name was. Yeah, John was an Crazy. advisor to that movie. But anyway, he had a long career from the, the early MIT days of, of the original blackjack team, and then was ultimately an investor to kind of to grow and scale it. But John had started a company and he'd be the first one to tell you it was a company called Premise. Uh, they built a product called Design View, a Great, interesting product without a market. As he would say, one of his best learnings, he really le- learned a lot about product market fit. Anyway, company that I was at, Computer Vision, uh, got acquired John's company. And somebody said to me, hey, you should meet this guy, John Hurstick He's a great guy. He's smart. You guys get it off. We were in a meeting together and I was like, yeah, he's a smart guy. We talked a little bit. Anyway, you know, fast forward a month later, there's this big sales conference called Computer Vision University, you know, bringing all your salespeople around the world, kind of get them all pumped up and liquored up and, you know, go out and sell more, you know. So one night there was a party at the bar and we were there until late and around two o'clock in the morning, somebody said, hey, who wants to go to Buzzy's Roast Beef? And um, so a bunch of us left and took a cab and went to Buzzy's Roast Beef. And, you know, I grabbed my roast beef sandwich and saw John and he and I just started talking. We sat in a picnic you know, table and it was like, you know, three in the morning. And then he's like, what would you do if you were in charge? And then I said, what would you do if you were in charge? And three hours later, the sun's coming up and we talked about all kinds of things and realized, you know, we had so much in common and really uh, didn't necessarily agree upon actually what we would do, but it was a great discussion. And then over the years, just continued to be great friends. And when he started SolidWorks, I ended up joining him um, and set up our Far East channel and our whole partner program to kind of get people going. And Ultimately, was a the CEO there for for seven years, and then and then took some time off, and and then we kind of got the band the band back together again when we started shape.
0: <laughs> and this was this was a desktop CAD software, and you became COO, and then CEO ran the company. Right, right,
1: mm-hmm. and then I left. I left. I think this was gosh. This is now. I'm dating myself, but I left in around 2007. Um, I, I got married and my wife and my stepson they moved to boston and got them settled my dad was quite ill at the kind of tail end of his life and so i wanted to spend time with them and so i took some time off and then when i was there i was working with a couple of venture firms looking for new opportunities for them and sort of you know kind of looking at opportunities for them and and, and evaluating them and i saw this thing called the cloud just starting and i remember going to a, one of the first amazon meetups meet in boston mm-hmm. and Werner Vogel's, their CTO was there and there was I don't know, maybe 50 people in the room. So it was very early. Uh, Now that would be 5,000 people in the room in Boston alone. But anyway, I met these founders that were kind of coming up with a very clever idea and spent a lot of time with them. And then the credit crisis hit. And, you know, every company was sort of saying, we'll look at anything. We spent time with CIOs. And we ended up building a company and a product that really helps people take advantage of the cloud with their existing software infrastructure. And and we built that company, um, you know, really realizing we were a little early in the market and and realized we had to change our go-to-market. And we worked with a a company called Terramark that Verizon ended up acquiring. And we wanted to be part of their roadmap in terms of how they would deal with customers to kind of get our route to market and distribution. And ultimately, Verizon acquired the company.
0: When you say early, why... Why early? My guess is it's because you're dealing with big enterprise clients and they weren't as ready to go to the cloud as say Drew Houston from Dropbox. Is that it? Well, I think it it goes, yes. But let me just
1: put a little qualifier, double click on that a little bit. We were early because it turns out the application that we built you would install in your data center. It's worth the background just for a second to explain. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 ended up building this application that you'd install in data center. And what it would do is automatically create a pipe to the data center, to, to AWS, to the cloud, and it would encrypt the traffic and you'd be able to move an application from your data center to the cloud. And it was awesome. I mean, it was an amazing technical marvel. The problem is when we went around with customers early on, we got a bunch of customers signed up to try it and they all loved it. They all loved it. Well, I mean, actually. There's a good lesson here for entrepreneurs. Let me put a pause on it. The first thing we said is let's create this express trial. We'll let people evaluate the software very easily, download it, try it. And I'm telling you, we were punching way above our weight class. Everybody loved this. People were talking about us, the media. like I could, I could pick up the phone and talk to anybody because they had heard about this and they were interested. So we put this up there as a trial, and let people go ahead and do it. And guess what? We launched it and it was Cricketville. I mean, nobody, nobody downloaded and and I was about to hire 12 salespeople. So I remember calling our board and saying, I'm not hiring anybody. Myself and, and, and one of the co-founders, we're going to go on bear hug, our initial customers. So we got a dozen, you know, kind of very interesting customers to go and, and start to evaluate. And we charged them for it and they went and deployed it and it worked and they liked it. But the question was, when we asked them, like, why aren't you still using it? They were like, well, we still haven't figured out a cloud strategy. And so many of these people... Would have to if you think about our business at that time it was so early from a market perspective people had to first go and say we're interested in the cloud now let me go and try and move my application oh this is hard oh I can use cloud switch and then you know this cloud switch worked so we had so long of a road that we were gonna have to try and convince people okay. and we would have to raise a lot of money and then meanwhile it was like the old cartoons you know we were going to this tunnel and saw this bright light coming at us this steamroller of a train called Amazon was going to build their own solution and crush us. So we had to change kind of our go-to-market and change our around the market. And that ultimately led to the acquisition by Verizon.
0: Speaking of Amazon, you told our producer this great freaking story. I don't know how to tee it up for you, or maybe I should tell it. Um, you know, I'm going to tell it. It's just so great. You were talking to this one company and they said they have a policy of no outside cloud computing, but the engineers yes. still, you know what I'm talking about? Do you want to tell it? Yes.
1: Sure. There was a company, I won't mention the name because they may not be happy and the CFO mm-hmm. might be happy, but it was a very large company in the Boston area. And their policy was no cloud computing. You cannot you cannot use cloud computing. And their developers were frustrated as hell because they would go to their IT people and say, we need some new computers because we're going to work on this new project. And then they'd have to get the IT and the network security guys. And by the time they provision it, you know, six weeks later, they get the computer. Well, guess what? Engineers are not stupid. They just sort of said, I'm going to go use AWS. And they kind of went and started using you know basically the cloud and they started doing development and anyway we went in to meet with their cio and the cfo had come to this to, uh to, to to the cio and said why you know why are why are people in development buying so many books And it turns out what most of these people were doing is putting on their individual credit card the amazon charges and expensing it so this strategy of cloud computing no cloud allowed at all was being totally you know kind of run around their it department. They were using the cloud. And then all of a sudden, the CIO got interested because it's like, this is happening. Now I got to contain it. And that's why they got interested in using us. But yeah, it was very fascinating.
0: I admire that they were willing to find a way to work through it, you know, to say we can't get, we can't pay for Amazon Web Services for cloud storage, but you know what? We could pay for books. Let's, it's, yeah. it shows up as Amazon. It's phenomenal. All right. Let me take yeah. a moment, to talk about my sponsor. And John, I want to talk about my sponsor in relation to the, the, the revolution that I think OnShape is helping to bring about. My sponsor is HostGator. I imagine somebody's listening to us saying, you know what? I, I actually, I like all these businesses. I don't have a business of my own. I'm looking to start something. I think one thing they could do is, is start a site where what they do is they teach people how CAD software can be used to create products and sell them. And I would suggest that they even, that what they do is they get a website. They do like little screen shares where they teach people how to use Onshape they let them know they can use it for free, do these tutorials. I've interviewed people who, with these software tutorials, can easily make $100,000 with, with one of these launches, if not more, right? Is that the end of the business? No, but it's a nice start. And they get to be pioneers, people who are bringing to the masses what CAD software can do. So you imagine you start off with, here's some videos, here's some how-to tutorials via text, here are examples of people who are doing it well. Maybe you interview somebody who's on Etsy and you tech- just write a text write up of what uh, of what they're doing teach it, and then start to create the add-ons. Maybe you have a marketplace where you can hire somebody to coach you, maybe a marketplace where you could get hired to do this. Maybe, I don't know, goes from there. What do you think, John, of that idea?
1: (laughs) Well, certainly, as literally tens of thousands of people are using Onshape and more coming every day, um, yeah, we need, and, and in the education space, millions of users, there's always more educational tools that are needed. So if somebody wanted to go and do that, not a bad idea. People will pay for training. Um, I'm sure HostGator, I, I'm not familiar with them, but they're providing the platform that allows people to do that. And, um, and so, you know, anything for an entrepreneur, anything that tools like HostGator, again, I don't really know them, but anything that allows a platform to kind of get rid of all the, 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 the excess heat and energy of having to do something and allows them to focus on what they actually are bringing value to the customer that's a value add for an entrepreneur.
0: I know to use spreadsheet because in school, we were required to learn how to use spreadsheets. we were never required to learn CAD software. So I could easily right. dismiss it and then dabble in. It's yep. uh, Nat Eliason, one of my past guests. He said um, he liked Rome, this note-taking app. Wonderful app. He said, no one knows about it. I'm going to teach a course on it. And he made $100,000 with it. And he wrote Good about it. It's not his main business. He's got a digital marketing agency, but he likes to start these little side projects to experiment. Love it. All right. Listen, people, whether it's that idea or something else, if you want to get started, all you have to do is go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you use that URL, they'll give you a discount on their already low price. So you get the lowest price available and you have an easy way to get started with your website. If you're not happy with them, they have a 45 day money back guarantee. Check the site for details. And if you are happy, you can keep scaling with them because they have more options than what you see on hostgator.com slash Mixergy. But that's a great place to start. Thank you, HostGator. All right. So company sold. What did... Um, what did you do next? How did that lead to Onshape?
1: Well, so we got acquired by a company called PTC. Uh, PTC. Uh, here, here's the amazing kind of story here, if I can just hit a pause for a second. Mm-hmm. When we started SolidWorks, the company that we disrupted was a company called PTC. <laughs> they had a product called Pro Engineer, and we basically made it easier to use, easier to learn, and much more affordable by changing the business model, et etc., and literally... I don't want to say crush their business but kind of they had a a, you know a a tough journey because we kind of took a lot of market share for them fast forward years later we we create onshape and the ceo of of ptc jim heppelman really smart guy we you know we met with him for lunch and he he talked about kind of his vision of what he wanted to do and and his vision was really about kind of expanding the platform because he believes cloud is is absolutely is what everything's going to be longer term and so as a result He saw Onshape as a platform and an opportunity to extend it for many of his other products that needed their own cloud platform, the provisioning, the the versioning. And so we've done that. We've taken Onshape, if you will, the core of it. We call it Atlas, you know, holding up the world um, for the different applications. And then, you know, they've continued to dramatically invest in the growth of of salespeople, technical people, development people to to, to expand. That's
0: after the sale of Onshape. I meant, so- you, you had a, a company be, uh, just before Onshape. Let me see what it was called. It was, uh, this is Cloud Switch. That's the one Cloud that you sold Switch. to Verizon. That's the one that Verizon acquired. You then took some time and then you and John went golfing. You talked about an idea, right? And you wanted to get a sense of whether this guy is ready to come back into business because yeah, he's taken some a, time a, off. This,
1: for, for entrepreneurs, let me tell you, this is a g- yes. great question. We, we, we'd we spent time at all Sol- He had taken some time off and we were driving back from Newport of all places and we we're sitting in traffic. And, you know, that's when we were talking about it. And I said, John, are you really ready to kind of, you know, put in the hard work? Because it's easy to reflect back on, you know, with rose colored glasses and look at those days of early days of SOLIDWORKS and think it was easy. Well, it was a shitload of work to make it happen, you know. And we knew this was going to be a lot of work as well along the way. So that was one of the questions I had. Then the question was, do we also have a common view of how the market has evolved? And we spent a lot of time talking about how customers were reacting, some of their challenges and, and the prospects that we would be going after to see, to, to see if we had a shared vision about it, that would be, and we did. And, um, and so we ended up basically, um, uh, his one year non-compete ended and that was, uh, October 31st. It ended in 2011. And on October 29th, we were discussing kind of, you know, how we we're going to organize the company, how much money we would raise? And the, the classic entrepreneurial thing of, of splitting up the pie and the arm wrestling and, Anyway, we, we, November 1st, we reached out and got, got some of the, the old gang back together. And by Monday, we had raised $9 million. <laughs> and before, we were, we were
0: before you go from there, the idea was just, was it just to take this thing that you'd that you'd done together before and bring it to the cloud, which is the life that you are living right now? You're, that's it.
1: Well, it was, it was, the cloud is a new platform. And as a consequence of a new platform, usually, especially in the software world, Technology disruptions typically happen with a new platform. You know, you look at the iPhone, it was a new platform. It allowed whole new businesses to create. Yes. Think Uber, think GPS. Like those things couldn't have been possible before the cell phone, before really that one. So new platforms create new opportunities to rethink the problems. And one of the things that was very clear is many of the people we had sold it before with Solvers, where we'd made their lives a lot better, they had many problems, not because of Solvers, but just the nature of doing design work and and how people share information is very challenging. You know, the the versioning issues that people have. And so we thought there's a whole nother way when you think of it as a platform that you you start from scratch and sort of metaphorically throw all the stuff off the table and start anew. And if you start anew, you think about the problem differently. For example, in the Onshape world, there are no files. There's no save button. In the SolidWorks world, everybody would hit control S which is a save function. you know, two minutes so they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't lose their work if if things would crash. With Onshape, you don't have to worry about that because things are saved as a transaction. So the platform allowed us to really think differently. So we didn't write code for, we had a prototype to test performance, but we didn't write a lot of code early on. We spent a lot of time kind of thinking through some of the architectural designs and questions that we had. And then then we started prototyping some of those challenging topics and areas. So yeah, we got the team together. We still didn't know if it would work. I mean, the risk that our investors and we were taking early on is: could we build this, and would it work? <laughs> um, and um, and that was a long journey, actually, and 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 you know, and, and an exciting one, but challenging.
0: How long did it take?
1: Well, it took three months to get the first prototype built that we could show some of the concepts, mm-hmm. and and that that we used. You know, we didn't build a lot of functionality into it, but we we built it to stress test you know, latency, meaning what would be the performance? How big of models could we have? Um, And then once we built it, we had hired this brilliant young guy that we had knew from our SOLIDWORKS days. We had funded his research at MIT and we recruited him to come join us. We had hired him when we were at SOLIDWORKS when he was 16 years old. Brilliant, brilliant Russian mathematician. And he came up with an idea of building a, a new language, if you will. And so we had already gone down the path of three months of building this prototype and would kind of, would have morphed that and he had this idea for something we call feature script, but for the users, they don't need to know it. It's kind of the basis of how we built our application. And the power of that potential to allow people to customize and do things was transformative, but it required us basically to go and hit the reset button. And we said, you know uh-huh. what? We're gonna hit pause. Let's go take that prototype that we built and re-implement it, creating this thing called feature script. And then we you know iterated on the power of this thing called feature script. And it's one of those day zero decisions. You can't go and retrofit this in. You have to do it from the beginning. So we actually hit the pause button and restarted that prototype. And after another three months or six months into it, we realized, okay, this is the right platform. And we went with that and kind of scaled from there. Well, let me tell you that story because this is one where it's really embarrassing. And there's a little bit of hubris here, which is I'll tell you the biggest mistake I made and, and biggest miscalculation I made. So early on, some of our investors and people were saying, well, who are going to be your your beachhead customers, your early customers? And I said, oh, it's going to be the the SolidWorks fanboys. They love us. you know." And everybody agreed. And so we went and kind of built the early prototype and reached out to a bunch of these fanboys. And guess what? All of them, every one of them took our call. Everyone was thrilled. But they were thrilled because we were the SolidWorks guys, not the Onshape guys. In fact, I was 100% completely, completely wrong. They weren't the first people we should talk to they were the last people we should talk to because they're the fanboys. they're the last ones who we're going to leave solidworks not not the first so how do we get customers well it comes with the story of what's called product market fit the short answer is we did a lot of cold calling and tested by vertical segments and different product areas but in the venture capital world in the startup world there's something called product market fit whether your product's a service or a specific product it's does your product or service match what a market need is and will people pay for it? That's kind of the, the, the gold that, that, that investors and people are looking for. And the way I describe that to people who are not in the technology world is, I refer back to the kid's storybook. I don't know if you, if, if you have children, but there's a book that you can read to your kids called, Are You My Mother? And it's the story about a little bird that falls out of a nest and goes around the farm and goes to the, goes to the cow and says, are you my mother? And the chicken, are you my mother? And the dog, and ultimately a steam shovel from a contractor puts them back in the nest. Well, guess what? Product market fit is really about being, are you my mother? It's about going and asking that question, showing the product, seeing. And it's, it's shoe leather in, in the electronic world. Of course, it's a bunch of Zoom calls, and but it's really a bunch of pounding the pavement and getting reactions. And it's also about beta testing the wallets, seeing who will pay for it and who won't. Who was and, who ended
0: up being your first mother, so to speak? Who was the first person oh, to say, yes, I see this, I like this?
1: Yeah, good, good question. Well, in, in our world, it was somebody who, um, a company called Ziki, Ziki is a a machine shop manufacturer. What they do is they take in, it's like a service uh, offering. They take in uh, CAD data from customers and and turn it around, build, you know, machined parts. Now, what they were building is really high-end aerospace machine parts, but they were bringing in files from people, multiple different formats, and they needed a tool that they could Ah. get access and make changes remotely. And so it was a perfect solution for having people be able to take in data, see it, and then manufacture directly off it. So- it was a great, a great, a great initial customer, and for us, it was also great because the people they needed to deal with they became a sneezer. You know, they kind of spread the yeah. virus, if you will, in terms of of of, of shape. So they were a very good early customer, and then of All course it grew from there.
0: I know we're kind of running late, um, and I'll ask you about that as a final question. But the penultimate question is this: How much did you sell for? We sold
1: for uh, just north of about five hundred million dollars. I say just north of that because. There was a purchase price, I think, of around $480 million mm-hmm. or 400 and whatever. But then we also, they included the cash back to our shareholders. So it was just north of a half a billion dollars.
0: And then were you able to, to have life-changing outcome from it?
1: Well, you know, John and I have been fortunate enough to kind of have some impacts earlier in our lives too. Um, but certainly this was was something that allowed um, me to be able to... to uh, Extend some of the philanthropic stuff I want to do, and and be able to do some of the things that that I would want to do long term. Um, and so, yeah, of course, it was meaningful, very meaningful, and and even more meaningful is is what's happened since then in terms of our employees and growth. We've kind of doubled the number of employees, and we're you know on a global basis now, really. And you know, when you start a company, yes, you want to have success, of course, from a financial reward. That's 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 a, a very important thing. But it's also you start something because. You see the way the world should be, and, and you figure if, if you don't do it, who else is going to do it? And now to see it start happening is really rewarding and exciting. All
0: right. We, we're rushing through a lot of this because of time, because you started late. You were telling me why you started late and why it was so meaningful. <laughs> what was going on?
1: And, and I hate being late. My wife <laughs> can tell you that. I'm always usually late. So uh, we have a bunch of interns. We always hire interns. We look at our internship program as really a kind of hiring program, and we get to beta test the interns. And, and if we like them, we usually hire them. So for the secret for all those college kids that might be listening, if you're in your between your junior and senior year, make sure you get an internship because most companies are actually beta testing to see if they want to hire you. So anyway, with our salespeople early on uh, at, at Onshape, we had one young man who took his 401k and he was telling all the salespeople he had cashed in his 401k and bought a bunch of Bitcoin. Now. I'm not going to debate whether Bitcoin's a good investment or not, but the idea of cashing your 401k, I think it's just a terrible idea, especially for a young person. And so I stopped the sales team, brought them in a conference room, we ordered some pizza and I explained to them. And, and now it's, as it's known, which is scary because it tells my age, but I gave him the dad talk and I talked talk him through and did a little bit of investor talk about, you know, how do you calculate the future value of money? And, you know, present value times one plus I to the end. Well, N is your lever and spending time talking about that and all this is all in a
0: one-on-one over deal. pizza conversation with this one person who cashed. Well,
1: out. I brought in the other salespeople then too. Okay. And since then, as we've hired new people, as part of the indoctrination, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I've been asked to give this talk a couple of times, and so now I call it my dad talk about finances. So I had, you know, about 40 interns that I gave him the dad talk, and it was interesting. One of the young men, his dad's a financial planner, and he said to me at the end, which is why I was late. He pulled me aside. He said, "You know, my dad." When I was younger, he'd set up all these things, and he used to say, "I took money out of your account and put it into this Roth IRA, and blah 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 blah." And he used to, he said, "I used to complain to my dad, so why are you doing that?" And he would complain to his mom, and his mom would say, "You know, long term, you're going to be happy your dad did this." And he said, "After what you just described, it's exactly what my dad did." And now I get it. And I said, "Well, it's not because I necessarily said all the right things. I I think I did, but it's it's not your dad. I'm not your dad." So you'll listen
0: to somebody else
1: uh, <laughs> as compared to your dad. But wh- why, case,
0: why do you care that they know it? Why does, why because, does someone- Because you know what? These uh-huh. kids,
1: when they're in high school or college, should be given some of the basic lessons. Why? Because the difference you can make at 22, you know, 45 years later, it can be all the difference in the world about their retirement and savings. This is basic stuff. And why do I care? Because I owe it to them. I had some mentors along the way that helped me. We owe it to them. Anybody who's older that's had some good experiences like that, you owe it to the next generation to share that and expand the stories. So hopefully some of them took away. What they did take away is start your 401k early. That's what they took away, at, at the very least.
0: <laughs> and I imagine so much more. All right. The company is on shape. John, thanks so much for being on here.
1: Great. Great talking to you, Andrew.
0: You bet. Talk to Bye, you everyone. Soon.